It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It's hot in Singapore. It's like 28 degrees, and I could not be more happy to be here at the Bloomberg New Economy Forum, except, so I'm here with the organizer of the New Economy Forum. Ooh, la la. But they're doing Paris on the podcast without me, Kat. <laughs> so I 100% am so happy to be here. But Paris without me, Kat. What's Paris without you going to be like? Dave Merritt, don't mess this up. I'm so sorry, Francine, but it is true. We are focusing this week without you on uh, Paris, the city of lights, and now home to Europe's biggest stock market. That's according to Bloomberg data, which now shows that it has outgrown London and is now holding the crown of the biggest European stock exchange. And um, we're going to dive into that with Bloomberg experts, both on this side and that side of the channel. And asking the question, is this just another sign of Britain's shrinking place in the world in the wake of Brexit? In fact, on Bloomberg Television, former Bank of England policymaker Michael Saunders didn't hold back when assessing the impact of Britain's exit from the EU. The UK economy as a whole has been permanently damaged by Brexit. It's reduced the economy's potential output significantly, eroded business investment. I mean, look, if we hadn't had Brexit, we probably wouldn't be talking about an austerity budget this week. The need for tax rises, spending cuts wouldn't be there if Brexit hadn't reduced the economy's potential output so much. I'm David Merritt, and this is In the City, Bloomberg's podcast connecting you to the stories and the voices at the heart of the City of London. And this week, we are going to focus on one of London's most um, illustrious and long-term rivals, Paris, the City of Light. And it's taking this opportunity to shine and we're going to hit the metaphorical road. I wanted to take the Eurostar, but I think the most efficient way to do this is down the line by speaking to some key Bloomberg voices in our beautiful Paris bureau in the heart of the city on the Rue Scribe. Um, But first, the author of this week's bombshell story on London losing its crown, we have Joe Easton from our equities team right here in the London studio. Joe, thank you so much for joining us on In the City. I really just wanted to dive into this amazing story that you were first with this week. It scores quite a stir, um, been picked up all over the place. The headline is that London has lost its crown of the biggest European stock market to Paris. I know you've been tracking this data for some time. Can you explain what's been happening in the recent weeks? That's right. So we were tracking this data for several months, um, really, because we noticed that the market caps were finally getting close. The data goes back to around 2003. So we know that it's there's been a big gap for a couple of decades. At one point, it was around a $1.5 trillion gap. And now it has turned negative. I mean, so that, that's, I mean big, that's an amazing number, just to put that into context. So $1.5 trillion, the London market was worth more than Paris back in 2016, so before the Brexit vote. And now they're both around the 2.8 
trillion mark. So there's been this enormous convergence and now those lines have crossed. What has driven that? Mainly we had an underperformance in UK domestic stocks. So these are companies that are heavily exposed to the UK economy. Um, so it's not really the FTSE 100. That's done reasonably well. And the FTSE 100 is it's really global companies. Isn't it? It's the mining firms and the, you know, the energy companies that have got a global footprint. Yeah, exactly. So around 75% of their sales come from outside of the UK. So dollar strength is seen as very good. So the index is outperformed. But the FTSE 250 of mid caps has uh, plunged. Um, companies that are exposed to the UK domestic com- economy have lost around half their value, a lot of them. So big retailers, Marks and Spencers, um, home builders, they're down 50% for the year because of the worries about the economy. And that's um, been one of the drivers for this change. So that is a pretty bleak story then, isn't it? I mean, we say if you split apart the London Stock Exchange, the companies that are really just looking at Britain or get most of their profits from Britain, they've had a terrible year. And that has dragged down the overall value of the London market to smaller than France. Exactly. It's been virtually all um, domestic stocks related. Obviously, I think the main thing among economists is about how the UK consumer will be hit harder by inflation than other countries, mainly because of the way energy bills are priced and the way mortgage rates are priced as well in terms of flexible mortgage rates. Um, So the UK domestic economy is expected to contract more than other um, nations, and that is reflected in the domestic stock market. Can I ask you about the currency effect? Obviously, you know, we all saw the huge plunge in the pound after the uh, trust quarting budget. We've seen a bit of a rally in sterling uh, since then. Um, And uh, a feeling that, you know, the worst might be over, perhaps the currency. We've been talking perhaps about parity between the dollar and the pound. That seems to have retreated a little bit. But how much of this um, reversal of fortunes between London and Paris is due to weakness in sterling? A large amount of it is because we are talking about dollar values. The euro is down around 11% for the year and the pound, I think, was down around about 15% last time I checked. So there is definitely a currency impact. And really, the Bank of England, although they have become you know, relatively more hawkish in the last, well, you know, if probably a couple of months ago, they turned more hawkish and they were definitely more you know, to use a market term, more dovish than other central banks. And that led to an underperformance of the UK currency. And that's reflected in this data. And then obviously that feeds through to UK companies that buy products, um, input um, costs in uh, pounds. They're, they're, they're hurt when the, when the currency goes down. But obviously on Thursday, where many listeners will be tuning in, we're going to have the big autumn statement, the next kind of fiscal uh, plans from Chancellor Jeremy Hunt. We know broadly what he's going to do, right? Now, he's going to have to cut public spending. He's going to raise taxes. Um, so in that context, the, the, the next year looks even bleaker, doesn't it, for the UK economy? And therefore, these companies that you're talking about, you know, the retailers, the home builders, There's no light at the end of the tunnel, is there, for these stocks? Um, I don't think there is um, light at the end of the tunnel for these companies yet. I think that probably what will happen is that inflation sort of tops out maybe towards the middle of next year. um, And then interest rate expectations will probably be already coming down by then. Um, And then you see a repricing of, of certain assets. And I think that could benefit the UK consumer. But I mean, in terms of what Hunt can do, I think his, his hands are pretty much tied. So obviously, a lot of pickup here in London on this story, but in France as well. I mean, how much, how much interest in this story is there in Paris? Are they crowing about this victory over Les Anglais? 
Yeah, so kind of, yeah. I mean, I had a few reporters from different French agencies contact me, actually, um, and, uh, yeah, trying to clarify um, some of the facts so they could then report the um, story themselves. So that was great to see them picking it up. They were a lot happier than the British, um, I have to say. So I had a few um, fund managers um, didn't weren't so keen on the story, but, um, you know, it is based on data, obviously, so it is factually... Right, um, undeniable, accurate. right? Yeah. Bloomberg data... You know, there are caveats to it in terms of how a lot more money actually um, changes hands on the UK stock market even today. So the value traded per day on the London market is bigger than Paris still. But the value of companies listed... Um, in those exchanges is now bigger in Paris for the first time so ever. Have you, so have you been going on French TV to explain this? Or <laughs> to bring How is my, your French, Joe? Is it Not as good as my Spanish. But right, I'll, okay. um, yeah, maybe a few words back from GCSE's day, days <laughs> I can uh, use. Um, so any optimism for, for, for this reversing anytime soon? I mean, the big backdrop here, isn't it, is it's the B word, it's Brexit. Um, longer term... Can this be reversed without a fundamental shift in relationship between Britain and, and the European Union? Um, I think that not as we stand. I think that maybe some of those barriers between you know the UK and Europe naturally break down over the years, and then we you know we move towards a sort of you know Brexit um, only in name situation. But you know that's probably a bit beyond my my um, scope. But I do think that, you know, there are positive drivers in the UK. A UK business does generally do well. Financial services are still strong. London is still a strong global financial centre. But then, you know, being a UK stocks reporter probably do have a small bit of bias. But I, I think there are, there are reasons to be cheerful on London still. Jay, thank you so much. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Clearly, uh, gives a very strong indications about the job achieved uh, over the last five years in the attractiveness of a place like Paris and France overall, as well as uh, clear consequences of the Brexit. As you mentioned, it uh, the weaker uh, the weaker pounds uh, has been playing its role, but you have also to recognize that uh, a key strategic choice of international group favoring um, being public outside of UK 
as playing a role. That was Pascal Cagny, president of Business France, the government agency charged with promoting France to foreign investors. He was joining us on Bloomberg Radio this week to talk about this very story. And just like Michael Saunders, he says Brexit is a big reason for the shift out of London. But he's also saying it's a strategic choice made by businesses beyond just Brexit. Now, as promised, for more on what is driving those strategic choices, I thought the best person to speak to would be Albertina Torsoli. She's a Bloomberg reporter in Paris. She's covered French companies and markets for 10 years. So I thought I'd give her a call. Oh, I hear someone. Hello. Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ça va? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. (laughs) How are you, Albertina? All good. Yeah. I mean, how are things in Paris? Everything is busy and fine and, well, from the looks of it, things are going well for Paris. Well, that's my point. Not just going well in Paris, right? Things are going gangbusters in Paris. Isn't that what's what, it's what it looks like from over here? I, I think that, yeah, I think it, it's what it looks like from over there. I wouldn't, you know, I think that things are going well. Uh, I think that compared to the UK, things are going great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a... It's Don't say you sound like a bit of relish in your voice there, Bettina. <laughs> no, not at all. No, sadness. I think, you sadness. know, it's Europe is weaker when the yeah. UK doesn't do well. Uh, I, and I'm not French. So a lot of my French husband is relishing the moment. Oh, right. Okay. There we go. That's the difference. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but you know this story this week that, that Joe Easton wrote, and it's caused yeah. a bit of a splash here. And he's, he says that um, French media have been on his case to talk about as well. You know, and, and you've seen the headline, right? London's lost its crown, the biggest yeah. European stock market to Paris. I know you cover French stocks for years. Were you surprised yes. by this? Not really, I would say. Um, it's It's been a long time in the making. Uh, you know, uh, it's not only the problems that the UK faces with Brexit. Part of it is that I think that there's a second dimension here. I covered very closely French elections a few months back, mm. and I have to say that the, you know, um, uh, voting, um, the staying in office, the second, uh, you know, um, uh, five years, another five years of President Emmanuel Macron mm. uh, also has helped give confidence. Right, as opposed uh, for, to the, the, the chaos that we've seen here, the exactly, multiple exactly. churning prime ministers' so, administrations. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a certain form of stability. And don't forget that Macron is a former investment banker. Mm. Uh, Investors like him. He's trying to, uh, you know, open up France um, uh, to make it a safer place to invest. It was not a safe place for investments because of the, you know, the high taxes, even the taxes on your salaries. There are still taxes, but he's really trying to tackle all of those issues, not to mention structural reforms that could still come. So um, it's not only the UK that has been doing worse. I think that, you know, if we had seen Marine Le Pen succeed in her presidency, uh, attempt to take the presidency, possibly the picture would have been a bit different. But yes, a lot of optimism in France today, in particular um, from outside um, investors and looking looking to France. I just want to talk a little bit, Albertina, about some more of the reasons why the French market is doing really well. Again, you've covered this market um, in depth and the companies. It seems like it's, again, the good news side of this story is that some of these French companies are doing incredibly well. I'm thinking about the high-end luxury brands, for instance. Could you talk a little bit about some of those success stories? 
You know, the CAC index is the benchmark index uh, in France, and the powerhouses today are not the same powerhouses that we had uh, 10 years ago or even five years ago. LVMH, the owner of Louis Vuitton, of Dior, is, the um, you know, one of biggest Europe's biggest companies by market value. Uh, Hermès has become a powerhouse as well. Um, Caring lost a bit, but is still high up uh, there. Uh, L'Oréal, the, the maker of... Uh, beauty products is high up there. These companies keep on doing well. So it's absolutely fascinating to see how, you know, inflation is hitting everyone. Those rich people who buy a Hermes bag, uh, you know, Hermes bag, Birkin bag, and mm. cost more than 10,000 euros. Those people aren't that dented uh, right. in their purchasing power. And there is another element, obviously, it's China. Uh, we all know that China, you know, the, the persistent no, zero COVID um, uh, policy has hurt many businesses and with factories also closed. But, you know, uh, these companies have developed very powerful e-commerce sites are selling still today, even in China. And obviously, the minute that China comes back, it will mean a lot of designer clothes, a lot of handbags, a lot of jewelry. Let's not forget the jewelry for Richemont, the owner of Cartier. Not French, but again, you know, these are even even Richemont has some French brands. I mean, yes, LVMH particularly, as you mentioned there, it's now worth about 360 or so billion dollars. It's Europe's biggest company by market value, value, right? Yeah. And, and only down a little bit this year in the context of um, huge economic headwinds. You would have thought in the past luxury goods makers would have been really hammered in this environment, right? But as you say, it's like the new global elite are not being touched by this slowdown. And in fact, it sounds like there's just more growth to come for these companies. Yes, they were hammered a bit, in particular Hermès at the start of the year, but not so much for their sales, which really didn't change much. And the outlook remains great, but because of the higher interest rates, and obviously, you know, higher interest rates tend to hurt in terms of investments, both the tech companies and the luxury companies. But as you've seen, the tech companies are having a rough patch, even the big American companies and and not luxuries. So Paris is really sitting on the, in the sweet spot here, isn't it? You know, so uh, as the home of luxury brands and these huge companies, it's managing to to sort of ride the wave on this. What does this mean for the city? I think this is just the start because when Brexit happened, you know, when the impact of Brexit started being felt and, and it actually came alive, you know, um, uh, we were in the middle of a pandemic. So a lot of those job moves didn't immediately happen mm-hmm. just because it was the middle of a pandemic. So there was a, a lot of work from home. But the change in the past, uh, I would say ever since September, you know, we, we are seeing a massive return, return to work and people have actually started moving. Even Citigroup, I think, announced that it's opening, uh, you know, new jobs in Paris, new offices. So a lot of office space that it's being taken up, of course. Uh, this also means um, support for real estate, quest for school places and international schools. Uh, it Again, it spells very uh, good news for, for um, you know, restaurants, for, for luxury again, hotels. I mean, Paris is really back and, and mm. definitely, you know, this uh, can be felt. So is it hard to get a table at a restaurant? Is it, It's a restaurant? very hard. It's getting harder and harder to get tables at a restaurant. And yeah. this is very strange because, you know, there are, there are a lot of worries for the higher inflation. But for example, restaurants haven't been impacted at all. But once again, um, I think that this is just the start of a movement. You say, you know, many jobs trickled from London to Paris. I'm not sure that a lot of people just 
moved out of 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 London. But all those new hires, all those new 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 places you want to fill in jobs, all the new jobs are coming, mm. you know, to to um, continental Europe. And Paris is really a winner again. Not everything is perfect, but I think that there's a lot of positiveness um, that maybe right now people outside of France see more than the French themselves, yeah. actually, as usual. But that is pretty normal. I think, I think that, you know, we're going to be we're going to be tracking this theme, Albertina, very closely. And I think for the next installment, I think we're going to have to come on location. So if you can secure one of those restaurant bookings, we're going to do some on the ground reporting. I will the start city. the search now. Sure. <laughs> Albertina Tosoli from Paris. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to this week's In the City. We will be back next week. But in the meantime, if you like our show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. This episode was hosted by me, David Merritt, and it was produced by Summer Sardi. Editing and sound design by Blake Maples. And don't forget to check out Bloomberg.com slash UK Wealth for more insights on how to manage your money. Our new site has launched this week. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.